0: Biggest scandal in U.S. history, the Mueller investigation, biggest farce, biggest hoax, biggest scandal in U.S. history. And as Trump's attorney general, William Barr, is trying to get to the bottom of it, trying to find out how it began, the Democrats are desperately trying to discredit his investigation as a dirty attempt for Trump to rig the 2020 elections. What's happening in reality is the Democrats simply do not want Barr to get to the bottom of what started the Mueller investigation, the witch hunt, the biggest scandal in U.S. history, because they don't want to discredit the Mueller investigation because that, once again, proves that Trump is innocent. Why wouldn't they want to investigate the origins of the biggest scandal in U.S. history? Are they going nuts? Duh, they are. countries like, you know, Italy, Australia, and Britain, which Barr is now hitting up for quote-unquote evidence uh, to support uh, Donald Trump's crazy conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are very close allies. It puts them in a very uncomfortable position, which is, you know, why what what Trump is doing is so uh, wrong. Oh, sorry, I fell asleep for a sec. You know, they're saying it's conspiracy. That's the narrative. It's a conspiracy. Barr's investigation into the origins of the Mueller investigation is a conspiracy. No, it's a worldwide investigation for a global scandal. I mean, believe it or not, the left is still harping on this, you know, this Ukraine nonsense. And then you might say, oh, well, I thought I thought Trump released the transcript. So isn't that over? No, we do have the transcript, but no, the left says we have to find out what the whistleblower thought about what somebody else told him about the phone call that we've already seen. You know what, whistleblower? Why don't you stop being a coward and reveal your identity? Adam Schiff, hmm? And while some people are trying to make a big deal out of what the whistleblower has to say, others are trying to find nuggets. They're, dig- they're pouring through the transcript. Hmm, hmm, hmm. What can we find within here? What, what little thing that Trump said can we use to incriminate him? And so they're trying to analyze it, and they're trying to find nuggets like this one. Daily Kos says, Trump said, I would like you to do us a favor, though. Ooh, what did, what, what did Trump mean by that? What did he mean by do us a favor? Uh, I don't know. Probably what he meant is, I need you to help us with this investigation that involves multiple countries and tried to undermine our republic and eject a duly elected leader, me, in an international scheme. This was a completely adequate request from a president to ask another country who has information we could use for cooperation with our Justice Department. But then the media and the left maliciously takes this out of context and makes it appear as if the favor is Trump asking the president of the Ukraine, the favor that he's asking is to do me a favor and look into Joe Biden for me. Dig up dirt on him. And if you're Adam Schiff, Trump, Trump is asking, they make it seem like Trump is asking the Ukrainian president to dig up dirt on Joe Biden simply so that Trump can win in 2020. No, it has nothing to do with the fact that Biden's son, has nothing to do with the fact that Biden's son had shady business dealings with a Ukrainian energy company. But they make it seem like Trump did this to dig up dirt on Biden so that Trump could win win his election in 2020. But again, in Realville, this was not the favor Trump was asking. Trump was asking for help in the international investigation into the origins of a giant scandal the likes of which our country has never seen. This is intentional. What they are trying to do is convince people that Barr's investigation is simply trying to guarantee Trump a win in 2020. They're trying to convince you that Barr is not working for justice. No, Barr is working for Trump. But this is justice, what Barr is working for. And as Andy McCarthy stated, no matter how much Democrats seek to discredit that probe and the AG overseeing it, it is a legitimate investigation conducted by the United States Department of Justice, which has prosecutors assigned and grand jury subpoena power. It is examining questionable Justice Department and FBI conduct. It is considering whether irregularities rise to the level of crimes. It will be essential to Congress's consideration of whether laws need to be enacted or modified to insulate our election campaigns from politicized use of the government's counterintelligence and law enforcement powers. Yeah, finding out how this investigation started is a legitimate exercise, because in order to appoint a special counsel, right, like they did, in order to to appoint Mueller, you have to have a real basis for believing a crime was committed, And guess what? That real basis never existed. So this entire Mueller investigation should have never happened. Andrew McCabe opened up a criminal investigation into Trump because Trump fired the FBI director. Well, that's not a legal basis for the FBI to open a criminal investigation of the president. The president has all the power in the world to do that. So it's clear the investigations were all opened because Trump's opponents didn't like him. And this was an attempt to take him down after their beloved anointed one, Hillary Clinton, didn't win. This they saw as their final hope to get rid of Trump. It was a scheme. It was a hoax. So Barr is now looking into it to see, was it really that partisan? Like we, it all seemed that clear, but we want the facts and we want the players and we want names. And that's what Barr is looking into it appears. And so the anti-Trumpers are furious about that. So they're trying to malign Barr and say, oh, he's just trying to discredit the Mueller investigation. Oh, he's just trying to make sure Biden loses in 2020. In reality, this is completely within the Attorney General's purview. The Attorney General absolutely has the authority to investigate wrongdoing by his Justice Department. And it is perfectly within his right to solicit help from other nations, especially our allies, when it involves other nations like Italy and Australia and Ukraine in federal investigations that involve those foreign players. More from Andy McCarthy. It is a common place for our government to seek assistance from foreign governments in ongoing federal investigations. In fact, Washington and Kiev entered a mutual legal assistance treaty in 1998. In approving this U.S.-Ukraine MLAT in 2000, the Senate noted that the original purpose of such treaties was to permit the United States to obtain evidence from foreign jurisdictions in a form admissible in American courts. So none of this is bizarre. None of this is unreasonable. None of this is treasonous. What's bizarre, unusual, and treasonous is the Democrats' behavior that led up to this investigation. The Democrats are slowly trying to discredit Barr as this slimy figure who is solely working for Trump so that when the damning information comes out about how this witch hunt started, they have already put in the work to make whatever this investigation reveals, whatever dirt this investigation digs up, seems illegitimate. Okay, so Bernie Sanders had emergency heart surgery yesterday after experiencing chest pain at a campaign event. This is something the left, they don't, they don't wanna talk about. They don't wanna talk about it other than, I don't know, maybe plugging Medicare for all. But because of this health scare, is Bernie up for the job? Joining me now to discuss is host of the Rubin Report, Dave Rubin, Dave, thanks for joining us. That's uh, good to be here. So it's nothing personal against Bernie, but I mean, the average lifespan for an American male is 78 years old. Bernie is a 78 year old guy. Uh, the leading cause of death in America is heart disease. Is this something
1: that should concern the American people? All right. Well, first off, you know, for any of us that have differing political views uh, than Bernie, in many cases, you know, 180. Political views from from his socialist beliefs. Uh, I think it's just important to preface any conversation about this by saying that you know I, I wish the guy well. I, I don't want him to be sick, and and hopefully he'll he'll get through this and get the care that he needs. Uh, that being said, and and I do truly mean that. That being said, um, you know the real issue here is that his time has passed. Look, his time was. 2016, the DNC ensured that he was not gonna be the nominee, even though by many accounts, he should have been the nominee. And the DNC has basically admitted to, to rigging it, you know, for Hillary. Um, but the, the energy behind him is sort of dissipating at, that, at this point. I would say Elizabeth Warren has sort of jumped him in the minds of the true democratic socialists, let's say. And, you know, in a weird way, him having a health issue, as long as he's long-term OK, if this gives him a way to get out uh, without having p- to be destroyed by the left, and that's what they do, they they always have to destroy everyone else on the way up. If this uh, gives him a little off-ramp so that the Warren crew and the Democratic machine, which is obviously not behind him at this point, uh, doesn't have to destroy him, then I think it's a net good. But yeah, look, I don't I don't like judging people purely based on age or purely based on what their health Characteristics may or may not be, uh, but yeah, he's getting up there, and I think in general uh, we could use some young blood in in both the parties at this point. Um, but if he was perfectly healthy and he had the right ideas, then then more power to him. You know, it's fascinating because you know in 2016 Bernie comes on the scene and he's got these
0: crazy ideas that everyone is saying these socialist ideas are not going to connect to the American people. These are radical ideas, and he was kind of the the new one on the scene because of these ideas and they ended up connecting and resonating with a lot of Americans and now they're just kind of stale and old because all of these other candidates have adopted his point of view and you have Elizabeth Warren basically saying the same things that he was saying back in 2016 except she's a woman and you've got these other candidates who check more of the boxes Cory Booker you know they check more of the intersectionality boxes and so now he kind of just seems like he is uh, he's just old and stale and I kind of feel bad for the guy because he was robbed of his shot in 2016
1: but at well, this point the entire Democratic Party is now uh, adopting his ideas. Well, in a weird way, I feel bad for him too. I mean, this is a guy who I disagree with on basically everything. I think he actually doesn't understand um, what the Constitution is. I don't think he fully understands what freedom is. You think think he's ever read it? Well, maybe he read it (laughs) once a long, long time ago, probably when he was on his honeymoon in Russia. But I don't think he really understands actually what freedom and liberty are. I think he thinks that everything should be top down, meaning the government basically is God and should be uh, giving us all of these things. My belief is that is that liberty is first. We should be bottom up. You should be free first. And the government uh, should be involved only at the absolute necessary minimum that it allows a society to flourish. and then you can debate exactly where that is. Um, but look, this the ending for Bernie was never going to be great. And again, I don't mean this about his health, but, you know, you can think back to, You know, three or four years ago when he was giving a speech during the campaign and Black Lives Matter, a couple activists grabbed the mic from him and he just stood there kind of with his head down and didn't grab the mic back, even though the hundreds, if not thousands of people were there for him, not for these activists, because intersectionality, the, the way that calculator works, he knew that if he was to grab the mic, from those young black women that then he would have been called racist. This is like when Nancy Pelosi says something about AOC and then AOC says that Nancy Pelosi is a racist. This is how intersectionality and this this victimhood as virtue game works. So the machine was designed to destroy him one day and I think if this gives him a chance to to perhaps get out with some dignity intact and then be the be the grandfather of the party, you know, be the the elder um, that's probably the best he could get. And, and again, I say that as someone that disagrees with all of these, uh, all of his ideas. Um, but you know, I, I don't wish the guy, uh, sickness
0: or anything. No, like and that. I, I don't think any of us do. And, you know, I, prayers are with Bernie and his family and especially his wife. I'm sure it's a hard time for them. Um, but I, and, and I disagree with him on virtually everything as well, obviously. Um, you've interviewed several of the candidates. You've interviewed Yang, you've interviewed Marianne, you've interviewed Tulsi, um, I want to ask you two questions who do you think is most likely going to get the nomination and then my second question is who do you think is the most interesting Democratic candidate.
1: Well, I'll start with interesting first. I mean, I I don't think this is just by the nature of the fact that I interviewed these three, but I do think that Marianne Williamson just, you know, between crystals and the love of energy and all of this stuff, I mean, this is an interesting woman. You know, you may not agree with her on a lot of stuff, and and if you saw our interview, we get to a real fundamental impasse because I believe in the individual and she believes in the collective, but she's a fascinating person to talk to. I don't think she should be president of the United (laughs) States, but a, a really interesting person. I think Yang has the most sort of new ideas and I think is the most forward looking in terms of how technology is going to change society, excuse me, and how we have to deal with that. And I think Tulsi is the most interesting in that she's more of an old school Democrat. She says words like freedom and liberty. She believes in the constitution. Um, She doesn't think that the government is the answer to everything. She doesn't believe in identity politics. These were all moderate democratic positions 10 years ago that basically the party is trying to give her the boot for now. I mean, she's really the radical there, not because her ideas are radical, but because the rest of the party has gone so radically left. Um, So I think they're the most interesting, I think, look, Look, Warren obviously benefits the most if Bernie has to get out of this thing because all of the Bernie bros they're going to go well we may not like Warren because you know they sort of worship Bernie in a in a really bizarre way but they're going to say well she certainly is the closest right she's the closest thing we have to an apprentice to Bernie so i think she benefits the most and look the the x factor in all of this is sort of where biden's at you know the the trump impeachment thing i think is going to shine way more light on biden uh, then it is going to shine on Trump. And beyond that, does Biden really want to do this? And does he actually have the the personal stamina and I don't mean and I don't mean this by age. I mean does he have the stamina to stand up for what he believes in in light of the radical progressives? Because if at every moment he has to outprove that he's not the racist, if every moment he has to say things like he said a couple weeks ago at the LGBT summit, he said that you should be able to select what gender you are, to decide what prison you go to. It shouldn't be based is based in reality. I mean, that so we're gonna just start sending men to women's prisons? I mean, crazy stuff that he knows is not true, but he's trying to out progressive the progressives. Right. What, That's what? a game he can't win. And if he would just go back to being moderate Joe Biden for whatever policy differences you might have with him, I think he could get a lot of the moderates. But the, it's it's very obvious that right now the energy is all behind Warren. But again, we're, we're what? A year, you know, we're 14 months out of this. Right. Thing. Which is an eternity in, in, in politics. You know, sure. it, it's, it's fascinating
0: because the three candidates that you interviewed, I would say are most attacked by the left. And interestingly, the right has the most interest in them because for the right, it's kind of like, oh, your entire party is not absolutely bat crap insane. You know, Marianne Williamson making remarks. You know, she was mocked for uh, for saying, please pray for the hurricane, please pray to get this hurricane to turn around. Mocked by the left. Uh, You know Tulsi on her positions on non-interventionalism, she's mocked for that. She's mocked for her rejection of identity politics. She's mocked for saying that I am not in favor of big tech censoring people. And then you've got Andrew Yang, who is mocked for his fear of automation and its decimation of the middle class of America. All these are ideas that resonate with just your average American, Democrat or Republican, it doesn't matter. And they are widely mocked by the left. And that, in my judgment, says something about the left and who they are and what they have turned into, that these
1: pretty normal ideas are just poo-pooed completely. Yeah, well, nobody wants to say, I told you so, but I told you so. You know, I mean, (laughs) five years ago, as a lefty, as a progressive, I was ringing the alarm about this. I was going, guys, the average liberal, the decent liberal who does not think that the government is the answer to everything, who does not believe in identity politics because you believe in the individual because you believe in individual rights, not group rights. Who doesn't think you have to tax to the hilt? All of these things that were that were moderate Democrat positions, the party of JFK, the party of Daniel Patrick Moynihan, of Ed Koch. Uh, you know, I always mention those three because one of them was president, one of them was a senator, one of them was mayor. Uh, the other thing that they have in common behind being old Democrats, they're all dead, because these people don't really exist anymore. I think Tulsi is the best bet for a moderate Democratic party to come back, but it's fairly obvious which direction the Democrats want to go in. And Interestingly, when I had Tulsi on, even though my audience clearly leans more right and more libertarian, let's say, uh, most of the comments that I saw were very respectful, they were saying how refreshing, I mean, this gets to your point, how refreshing it was to see a moderate Democrat. Because all of us, no matter what side you're on, you're on the left, you're on the right, you want a healthy opposition, because that's how you can refine your ideas, that's how you can sort of twist and and have this push and pull in a society, so we never go off too much in one direction. And the more that the left goes bananas, uh, it doesn't allow us to calibrate properly and have any of these honest conversations. So my hope is that they will uh, they will turn back towards, say, a, a Tulsi, a Yang. I just don't think there's any evidence of it. Right. I mean, the
0: reason why it's so refreshing and then I get the same thing is because uh It reminds us of a time where we didn't hate the other side. It reminds us of a a time where we could actually have reasonable discussions with the other time. I'm not going to vote for you, but I'd like to have these conversations and I'd like to have these debates and I'd like to have these rational, intellectual uh, discourse about what we actually believe. And it reminds us of a time where it wasn't so nasty and it wasn't like. Well, I can't compromise with you because literally nothing you believe is something that I can get on board with. And so, you know, there's no way we can come together. I mean, where do you compromise with certain things on what the the modern left believes? You can't compromise with that.
1: And so I think. Go ahead. Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager has a great line that he's been saying for, I think, 20 some odd years, which is that the right thinks that the left is wrong, but the left thinks that the right is evil. And that really is where we're at at the moment. If if your arguments, if I say I'm for low taxes, or if I say I'm for states' rights, or something like that, and then your argument back to me is, well, you are racist you're Hitler, you're a Nazi, these ridiculous, overused and actually offensive terms. Well, then we don't have any room to negotiate. And that was the danger. I mean, I did videos about this before Trump was president. I kept saying, you know, if you guys keep saying he's Hitler, It's not what you're doing to him. It's what you're doing to yourselves because you're painting yourself into an intellectual corner where what if the economy is which it's actually doing really well? What if we're not getting into foreign wars, which we're not? Um, What if there's a series of other things like black unemployment that's really low and and Hispanic unemployment that's really low and a bunch of other things that are positive? You can't suddenly be like, oh, you know, that guy that I've been calling Hitler the whole time kind of. Kind of doing a decent job. So that explains why they always get crazier and crazier, because they're always painting a line that makes their ability to to have a wide tent be that much smaller. They're always sort of encroaching on themselves, which is a really bad way to do politics, and that's why I'm so enthused about what's happening on what I would call the center right. It's a it's a place where basically sort of classical liberals and libertarians and conservatives are all kind of getting together. They're going, all right, well, you feel this way about abortion. I feel this way, but let's talk about it. They're saying, oh, well, you want a little more uh, tax, let's say, if you're more on the liberal side because you want to help people. And then the libertarians are saying, no, we want low taxes and conservatives say we should do it by charity. What a great place to have conversations. So I'm very enthused about that. And as for what's going to happen to the left, I mean, we sort of just have to let this thing play out. And, and as most people are saying now, the question is, how bad does it have to get before it turns around? And I don't think anyone knows what the answer to that sure. is.
0: You know, I'm on what you said about what uh, Prager said about the left thinking that the right is evil. I'm on the fence now because, you know, what how, the way they are smearing the right and the way they are smearing good just patriots. To me, I'm just like, I don't know. Are you guys? there might be some evil on the left. That's all I'm saying. You know, I've gotten to a certain point where I don't know if I think that they're just misguided
1: anymore. I would say that I totally hear you and I get it. Believe me, I get a ton of hate from these people. And there are those moments where I'm like, man, they they are just purely evil. Right. But you really want to be a little bit better than they are. and, And you have to do it. It's an exercise in humility. I think it's an exercise in really understanding what you think, because the second we go to that, where we're like, you know what, they're all evil. They're evil socialists. They, they, they want to take from all of us. They want a radically different country. Now, some of those things may be true within certain contexts, but the second we do they're evil and they think we're evil, we're, we're pretty much done. So we're, we're I think- We're at a civil that, war at that point, literally. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, I would say, look, their ideas are bad. I think our ideas are better, and the more that we can get our ideas out there, or at least be willing to exchange ideas with people we disagree with, I think that's what the average person cares about. I think that appeals to the average person, and that's always where I will go. Uh, But I completely hear you. It can be seriously frustrating, but we don't wanna become as bad as them. I do wanna ask you one last thing. Because, uh, you know, I used to be a
0: libertarian and then uh, there were certain things that libertarians believed. I was like, I can't get on board with this. One of those things was the border because, you know, I was in libertarian circles. I was hanging out with a lot of them and they they were totally out on the border. And, you know, I'm a I'm a very strict border hawk, you know, and I'm all about border security. It's probably my biggest issue. So I'm just where do you stand on the border and Trump's position on the border as a libertarian? Because when I started talking to the open borders, libertarians, I was like, okay, this is not the movement for me.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked this question because you know I, I still do describe myself as a classical liberal, which to me really is just a more real politic libertarian. A libertarian really is not a political position; it's it's an ideology that really that it's it's about the individual and the state should do virtually nothing. It should protect property rights and a and a few other very limited things. Now, I think most of us that believe in liberty um, believe in though in that basic starting point. What I would say is that if you go to a libertarian conference, and I, I love talking to libertarians, I love discussing these ideas and figuring out where we can, um, you know, scale government back and that sort of thing. What I always find is there's it, it always becomes sort of an endless conversation that never sort of ends. You know, ne- the next thing you know, you're debating whether we should have driver's licenses or things like that. So where I say I'm a classical liberal is I just view that as just more of a realistic libertarian. So I'm with you on this. That one of the positions of libertarians, and it's not all libertarians, but but many libertarians that I am not on board with is this open borders thing. I think without borders, you don't have a country. I know that sounds a lot like what Trump would say. Um, but every country, and I mean every single country on earth, has a right to decide who can come into their country, how they want to defend their borders, and and basically have control of their own sovereignty. So this is a, this is a position, by the way, that's how you defend liberty. That's exactly. how you defend exactly. liberalism. By, by saying these are our set borders, these are the basic set of ideas that we believe, and you can't just come in and change our country or that you can't just walk in, you have to come through the proper channels and all that. So uh, again, this is where libertarianism is a really fun and I think interesting intellectual exercise. Um, but the idea that we'd really be borderless and everyone can just wander through and we have some sort of one world pass, I just don't view that as a realistic position. I think it's an interesting thing to think about um, but it, it doesn't strike me as that realistic. Right,
0: because how do you protect? You can't protect liberty. You can't protect freedom. You can't protect the things that we believe in this country. If you or if you open us up to people who don't believe in it, to people who believe in authoritarianism, to people who believe in control.
1: If you let sure, them in so and the, people who don't share our values, you can't protect those values. Quite correct. And, and that's exactly why Look, we are a nation of immigrants, more people from more parts of the world have come to America to become freer than any country in the history of the world, we should honor that. But we should be able to have an honest conversation about, well, how many people can come in now? And do they have to have a certain skill set? And is the world changing because of automation, just as Andrew Yang talks about, where if you're going to bring in low skilled people, and then at the same time, we're losing all the low skilled jobs to automation. Well, now, what have you done with these people? I mean, do they then all have to be on the government payroll and all of that? I mean, we have to have an honest discussion about this. But unfortunately, we could get caught between either you're for open borders or you're a racist and that's just a false choice
0: dave thanks so much i could go on for a lot longer but we have to end now i appreciate your insight thank you my pleasure good talking to you a reminder to our viewers blaze tv subscribers you can get early access to the Ruben report including his interview with david webb which i believe premieres tomorrow at 9 a.m eastern on blaze tv a reminder to everyone i'd really appreciate it if you'd please rate review and subscribe to the white house brief podcast it will make sure the truth rises above all the other stuff out there. So please rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for listening.